You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. Well, if you have your Bibles today, I would just say hold on to them because we've got a lot of Scripture. You can look. That's why we always put it in the bulletin for you to look ahead, but it'll all be on the screen. So today we continue our series. Today is week two of seven of a series called Jesus. Jesus. And we're looking at the seven I am statements of Jesus. There are seven sayings of Jesus in the gospel of John that are known as the I am statements of the Lord. The phrase I am is very, very significant biblically. When God appeared to Moses in the book of Exodus, and we're going to look there, Exodus 3, he appeared in a burning bush, and he commanded Moses to deliver his people from Egyptian slavery. It says this in beginning verse 13. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God said to Moses, I am who I am. One author writes, this signifies the real being of God, his self-existence, and that he is the being of beings. Also, it denotes his eternity and immutability, his constancy and faithfulness in fulfilling his promises, for it includes all time, past, present, and to come. And the sense is, not only I am what I am at present, but I am what I have been, and I am what I shall be, and shall be what I am. It's no wonder that the religious leaders wanted to kill Jesus when he said in John, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Clearly, they recognized that Jesus was claiming to be God. And every one of these seven I am statements from Jesus Christ are a claim to deity. So today, we see Christ saying, I am the light of the world. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then verse 5 of John 9. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus has already been described as light in John's gospel. In the opening chapter, John writes this. In verse 4 of John 1. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. He spoke of the light six times in that context. In chapter 3, there's a similar reference. John said in John 3, 19, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness. Now hear that. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. This verse and those immediately following refer to light five times in reference to Jesus. In each of these cases, 
The image is in John's words only, however. So we read these verses, and if we, not, uh, if we not, don't read further, we find ourselves asking, but why does John refer to Jesus in this way? Where did he get this image? How did he develop this idea? It is only when we get to the present text that we discover the answer. John refers to Jesus as the light because Jesus referred to himself as the light. You see, Jesus claimed to be the world's light. He did. And because of that light, it is the second of the seven great I am sayings that are a unique feature of the Bible. The others are this. I am the bread of life. Last Sunday, we talked about that. I said, nobody's life will be changed by an imaginary Jesus. And the two major truths were this. He satisfies your spiritual hunger, and he saves your sinful soul. The bread of life, Jesus Christ. And then we have, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. Remember what I told you last week? We need to look at these statements in their context. Bible experts tell us that this particular I am statement from the Lord took place during the Jewish feast of tabernacles. Now, one of the main ceremonies during this feast was the illumination of the temple. Most commentators believe that Jesus proclaimed himself to be the light of the world at the illumination ceremony. And the Jewish people eagerly awaited the light ceremony that took place each evening of the festival. Four huge gold menorahs, candelabras, with seven candles, fitted with wicks from priestly garments were put in place in the temple court. They were large enough that ladders had to be used to fill their bowls with oil. Once they were lighted, men who had been selected for their religious devotion would begin to dance, usually with torches in their hands. While they danced, the priests would play on flutes and other instruments. So they used the old clothes of the priests for wicks. When those huge lamps were lit at night, the light shined all over Jerusalem. The great blaze lit up every courtyard in the city, and it burned all night long. But everyone knew that the light was going to flicker and die. And against the scene, Jesus stepped forward and said in verse 12 of John 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So first, I want you to see that Jesus made an exclusive claim. I am the light. There's something significant happening here in the gospel of John. John has combined three wilderness images. The manna in John 6, the water from the rock in John 7, and the pillar of fire in John 8. So to follow the Lord Jesus means to believe on him, to trust him, 
and the results are life and light for the believer. Now listen to this. The unsaved are walking in darkness because they love darkness. Do you believe that? I mean, what about the pleasures of sin? You know why I sin? Because it feels good. Why do you sin? Let's talk about that. Sin feels good at the time. You've heard me say many times from this pulpit about the three facts of sin. Sin always takes you further than you ever intended to go. It keeps you longer than you ever intended to stay. But most importantly, it always costs you more than you ever intended to pay. You see, we need to be light to a dark and lost world. One of the major messages in the gospel is that the spiritual light is now shining. But people cannot comprehend it, and they try to pull it out. Well, the Jewish leaders who had gathered around Jesus that day would clearly understand the connection, and they would comprehend it like no one else ever could because the point that Jesus was making, these Jewish leaders caught on. It said, he is the bread of life, like the manna that came down from heaven. He is the living water offered to all those who are thirsty. And he is the light of the world who alone can lead people out of darkness. Now think of this. I am the light of the world. Light. Light was a characteristic description of the Messiah. In Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 17, the Messiah is referred to as the light of Israel. In Isaiah 42, 6, he is called a light to the Gentiles. Then in John uh, 1, verse 4, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So Jesus makes an exclusive claim to be the light, not just the light of the world. The, T-H-E, limits the object to a single person. Jesus is saying he is the only light that can lead people to the truth about their sin and God's forgiveness. Now take a moment this morning to think about our son. It was months ago I did a series and I kind of talked a little bit about the sun and stars and measurements. But listen to this. We tend to take it for granted because it's up there in the sky every day. Okay? But our local star, the sun, really is amazing. It's 93 million miles away and 864,000 miles across. About 1 million Earths could fit inside. Now, that just boggles my mind. Understand, that is one star. And the sun is hot. And at the core of the sun, the temperature is 28 million, 28 billion. 799 billion and 544,000 degrees Fahrenheit. You understand, without the heat and light of the sun, of course, life as we know it could not exist on the earth. So wouldn't we say that the sun is essential? And when you live up here in January and February, you say amen to that. Amen? But the real light, the light of the world is infinitely more essential. The sun is amazing. 
But the real light of the world is infinitely more amazing. So it's an exclusive claim to say there's only one son. But the claim is still true. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. You see, we can walk around in the light and pretend like the sun doesn't even exist. But that doesn't make it go away, does it? Even when the clouds cover it up, the sun isn't gone from the sky. Let me ask you a question. How many of you like to go to the beach? Okay. How many of you like to lay out in the sun or on the beach? I do that. Okay. And I get upset when the clouds come over the sun. But I learned this the hard way because I said I can't get any sun. And I didn't put on any sunscreen. And I tan real quickly. But you need to understand you can get blistered pretty bad. Just because you don't see the sun, it's still there behind the clouds. Amen? And it will come through and it will blister you more so. Okay? So just be aware of that. It's an undeniable truth that there's only one sun that provides life and light to the earth. In the same way, Jesus Christ is the only one who brings light and life to those who trust Him. There's not only, this is not only an exclusive claim, it's also an expansive claim of the world. Jesus says, I am the light, the one and only light. But what I love about this statement is this. He is the light of the world. This means that His light is intended for the whole world. It expands worldwide. This light is not just for the Jews, but also for every nation, tongue, and tribe. The light is not just for the wealthy, but also for the poor. It's not just for the religious but it's for the irreligious, not just for the good, but also for the bad, not just for the church people, but also for the unchurched people. It is for the whole world. And that's why I want you to see it again, even though most of us know it. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Amen? He is the one and only light. But this one and only light is enough for everyone. You see, the truth is limited. But anyone can choose to believe the truth and be saved by it. The gospel is so simple that many stumble over the sure simplicity of it. You see, you come to realize that you are a sinner. You come to realize that there's only one of two places that people are going to go when they die. It's called heaven and it's called hell. One has got perfect temperature. The other one is hotter than hell. You understand? Can I say that on TV? It's hot. You understand? And you live there forever if you don't know Jesus. But it's simple. The gospel is simple. And all you have to understand is you're one repentant away. One repentant prayer away from asking Jesus to come in your heart as your Lord and Savior. And ask Him to forgive you of your sin. Understand that. Jesus Christ 
alone brings the light of salvation to a sin-cursed world. To the darkness of falsehood, he is the light of truth. The darkness of ignorance, he is the light of wisdom to the darkness of sin. He is the light of holiness to the darkness of sorrow. He is the light of joy and to the darkness of death, he is the light of life. Look what C.S. Lewis wrote. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. That's not to say that following Christ makes every decision easy. But he brings a direction and a purpose to our lives that just clarifies everything. In another one of his letters, John speaks of the universal offer of salvation through Christ Jesus. In 1 John 2, 2, he is the propitiation of our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus is the one and only propitiation for our sins. Now, that is a big word that means he is our perfect substitute that satisfied the wrath of God. Amen. Yes. But he is also the substitute for the whole wide world. Anyone who wants to walk in the light must simply turn to Christ. Then lastly, it is an encouraging claim. Walk in the light. You see, when we trust in the Lord and we walk in Him, we are given light to illuminate our path and guide our steps. Jesus says, whosoever, listen, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And here Jesus clearly sets out two paths that we can walk in in this life. We either walk in darkness, which leads to death, or we walk in the light, which leads to life. In fact, he describes himself as the light of life in Matthew 7, 13. Just as Israel followed the pillar of fire in the wilderness, so Jesus called men to follow him. I mean, think about that. All throughout the Bible, you see light and how people would follow it. The one who follows him, Jesus promised, will not walk in the darkness of sin, the world, and Satan, but will have the light that produces spiritual life. Having been illumined by Jesus, believers reflect his lights in a dark world. One commentator writes, They, having kindled their torches at his bright flame, show to the world something of his life. It is not an accident that the claim of the Lord Jesus Christ to be the light of the world occurs immediately after the story of the woman who was caught in adultery, the story that introduces the eighth chapter of John's gospel. Now watch this in verses 3 through 11. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. I wonder if he was writing their names. What do you think? 
But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. The story of the woman and her accusers is a greater revelation of the dark nature of sin than anything yet recorded in John's gospel and in the purity and brightness of Jesus shine through it abundantly. He said, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. To follow Christ is almost synonymous with believing in Christ. For in another parallel passage, Jesus uses the same image in declaring, I have come into the world as a light so that no one believes, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Listen, faith in Christ is following Christ, or at least leads to following Christ. And following Christ is only possible for those who have faith in him. Jesus never pretends like this world is it dark. He never acts like we won't face struggles, battleness, battles, wickedness, temptations, worries, and so on. Every side we will face those. In fact, he is clear that this world is full of sin and darkness. Do you believe that? It is full of sin and darkness. But we are challenged to walk as children of light instead of those who walk in darkness. Micah 7, 8 says, Rejoice not over me, O my enemy, when I fall. I shall rise when I sit in darkness. The Lord will be a light to me. Ephesians 5, 8. For at no one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now we're going to do something a little strange here in a second. But I don't want you to panic, okay? We're going to turn out all of the lights, but before we do that, I want you to go ahead, if you've got a cell phone, and take it out. Or a tablet. Okay? Go ahead and take it out. I don't want you to turn it on yet, okay? Now then, when I count down, the house lights will turn off. Okay? Ready? Three, two, one. Turn off the light. All right. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But he also said something more profound in Matthew. He said, you are the light of the world. Now go ahead and turn on your cell phone light. Listen. Just keep them on. When we follow Christ and trust in him, not only, listen, we not only have the light around us, we have the light within us through the Holy Spirit. We are now the light of the world. And guess what? We are called to spread the light to others. So to follow Jesus means that you no longer walk in darkness, but you now have the light of life. So my question is, do you have faith in Christ? Are you 
following him. You should. For if you are, you have Christ's promise that you will no longer be walking in darkness, but will possess the light of life. The last phrase is another way of saying that you possess Christ himself, who thereafter will become all things to you. The Bible says that he has made unto us righteousness, holiness, and redemption, and that is a joy to follow him. Now turn the lights back on if you would. Just this past week, well, this week, I learned just how important light is when I visited the doctor for the first time concerning my concussion. And the doctor revealed to me that light has a profound effect on my ability to walk. You see, if I close my eyes and shut out the lights and try to walk, I don't just risk falling, I fall over. Y'all just don't know that. Because that lack of illumination causes me to stumble because of the brain injury. Not in my ability to see the Savior clearly, like the Pharisees, but to almost just fall over. If I wake up in the middle of night of the night and get up and have to go to the restroom or somewhere, I stumble. But if I have light, I can see to get around. Light has become even more essential in my present condition. You understand that light is fundamental to human life. Without it, things cease to grow or thrive. The light of the sun causes our bodies to create what? Vitamin D, which is very essential to health. And we learn more about vitamin D3 during COVID, along with zinc and a lot of other stuff. Did you ever realize that in the book of Genesis, beginning in verse 3, the first command God gives is, let there be light. Now understand that neither the sun nor any stars had been created yet. You see, light is a substance, a commodity that exists because God spoke it into existence. Scientists still wonder, listen, what it is and what it's made of. Is it made of waves? Is it made of packets? Is it particles? And most of what we consider light in the electromagnetic spectrum cannot even be seen by the human eye. Imagine that. The fundamental substance that causes us to be able to see cannot itself be fully seen. Now, over my physical lack of sight and equilibrium, I have little control currently. And many of us find ourselves in places in our life where we need the illumination of Jesus, the great I am. But woe to those who are willfully blind, those who refuse to see. If that is you today, I urge you to seek the only true light of salvation this morning and not the false hope of the deceiver. You see, Satan, in fact, in Genesis, in the original Hebrew, the word translated serpent is Nahash, which can also be translated as shining one. Satan appears as an angel of light 
and is always available to provide a poor substitute for what is God's best in our lives. Listen, we are to be light to other people. When people look at our lives, do they seek darkness or do they see light? As children of God, we are to be the light of the world. We know today that our country is filled with darkness like no other time. But you need to understand, Jesus' light is brighter than any darkness this world has ever known. And that is what will get us through, not just today, but the next day and the next. Let's pray together. Father, this morning as we come and just think on our own lives, Father, as the enemy has come and tried to provide a false light, God, I pray today that people who are struggling today in their lives, Lord, that Satan has just got them in a dark place, that God, you would bring them out. That, Lord, you would shine your light on them. Father, I pray for those today who, Lord, who do not know you most of all as Lord and Savior, that today would be their day of salvation. That, God, they would realize that they are just one, one repentant prayer way. That, Lord, they can just come and ask you to come in their heart, forgive them of their sin, and save them, be the Lord of their life. Lord, if there's someone here today who's looking <clears throat> for a church home, that, and God, you laid this place on their heart, that, God, they would come. Lord, for others who just need to pray, or, Lord, who've got things in their life, Lord, so many people may have tests coming up, with their physical condition, their health. God, if they need to just cry out to you today, let them know, God, that you are the light of the world. Lord, for whatever needs to take place today, God, I pray that you would do it in the hearts of your people before they depart this place today. We ask all this in your precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today, and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.